0: On the Pasuk of Yimel P'saro Losoi, on the eighth day a child is supposed to have his bris, the Razal tells us in Torah's and the Gemara says this, A bris must be done during the day and not at night. According to this, would follow that this is a halacha, this halacha of not having a bris at night is something that only applies and started after Matan Torah, so Pasuk now in Parshas Tazriah, whereas before Matan Torah, when Avinu was commanded to have the bris, him and his children, etc., at that point, the bris would have been allowed to be done at night. Even according to the second source for this halacha, in Mesechta Shabbos, that we learn it out from a posseh that actually does say by Avraham Avinu, in Parshas Lech Lechol, uven Shmoin Yomim etc. Especially that Teisva says that the main place we learn it out is actually from that posseh. However, that would only be true in regards to a bris that's being done in its time on the eighth day that it would have to be done during the day. However, the fact that a mila that shaloi b'smana, a that's after the eighth day, that it also has to be done during the day, that's definitely learned out from the posukul vayoi mashmini, from the vav un mashmini, of this week's parsha, as Toysavis explains. And therefore, this is definitely something that only applies and started after Matan Torah. So in order to explain this, why is it this difference between before Matan Torah and after Matan Torah and so on? says, the Rebbe, we first need to preface something that the Medrish tells us. That when the Yidin were in Mitzrayim, many of the Yidden didn't accept upon themselves to have a bris. Hashem told them to make the carbon Pesach. When Moshe Rabbeinu makes the carbon Pesach, Hashem caused that the winds from all the directions of the world. The four winds came, attached themselves to Moshe Rabbeinu's carbon Pesach. The beautiful smell, the aroma spread to all of the Yidin. The Yidin will gather to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, please feed us from your carbon Pesach. Moisher Abenu tells them that if you don't have a bris, you cannot have from the carbon Pesach. Immediately, the Yidden go and have a bris. From the Medrash it comes out that the Yidden actually had their bris on that night, the night of Pesach. Furthermore, from the Medrash, especially the way it appears in Shir and Rabba, it seems to be that Moisher Abenu never even told the Yidden that if they don't have a bris, they cannot have part of the carbon Pesach until that night when the Yidden came asking Moisher Abenu to feed them feed them from the carbon Pesach. So the Rebbe says it's not understood. Yes, it's true as we established before that you were allowed to have a brisk at night before Matan Torah. We still need to have clarification at least but since Yidin. Many of them only had the bris they're not on their own only because Hashem caused Hashem decreed that the wind should carry the smell of Moish Rabbeinu's carbon Pesach and this caused them to want to eat from the carbon Pesach of Moish Rabbeinu so the Ebishter surely could have done the same thing or something similar to that before nightfall so that Moish Rabbeinu would tell them earlier on this mitzvah that someone that's uncircumcised cannot have part of the carbon Pesach and they would have had a bris earlier so why is it that the Ebishter caused that the bris would have been specifically at night the Efei Toyah, That's one of the mafarshim. the medrash wants to say that it's possible that it was before nightfall. And he brings two proofs for this. Number one, that once it's nighttime, it's yomtiv, and a milo that's not in its time is not doicha, does not push off yomtiv. And number two, we don't have a bris at night. However, the Rebbe says we cannot say this because of the story, the way it's brought in Shira Ashirim It's on the pasuk ad Shahamelech B'Mesiboy. It's clear that it was at night. Because the Medrash says clearly, on the words, melech b'misiboy, that was, was what was happening was, Moshe Rabbeinu and the Eden are reclining, eating from their carbon Pesach and Mitzrayim, and this is when the rest of the Eden came to them. So eating the carbon Pesach is definitely done at night, on the night of Tezvah of Nisan, and not before nightfall. So it must be that it was at night, and not during the day. What about the two proofs that the Efei Toyar says, that a Milo, when it's not in its right time, cannot be on Tov? And that a mila cannot be done at night. So the Rebbe says both of these are not absolute proofs. Because number one, as we said before, the halacha of not having a bris at night when it's shaloi bizmana was only came around after matin Torah. According to some, it would be even a mila bizmana. But definitely a mila shaloi bizmana is definitely only something after matin Torah. And the same idea, says the Rebbe, in regards to the Isr Melacha, and Yomtev, we don't find that the Yidin should have had an Isr Melacha, on the Yomtev when they were in Mitzrayim. And the Rebbe explains, although the possek about not doing Melacha, on the first day and the seventh day of Pesach's holy days, called Malacha, you're not allowed to do work on them. Although this possek is a possek that says in Pasha's Boy, that means at the time when Yidin were in Mitzrayim, However, we have to say that this Pasak is not speaking about the Pesach Mitzrayim. because Pesach Mitzrayim was actually only for one day. It was only one day at, at that point. And the Pasak is clearly speaking about by Yahim Hashvi, Mikro about a seventh day. So clearly, this is Psukim that are speaking about how Pesach is going to be in future generations. Now, you might want to suggest that maybe the Pasak is telling us two different dinim. And they're not dependent on each other. One is that the first day is a holy day. And that would apply in Mitzrayim as well. And the other one is about the seventh day being a holy day. And that would only apply in future generations. So the Rebbe says we cannot say this. Why not? A number of reasons. First of all, the Pasuk includes them both together. Call Don't do work on any of them. That means that the Yisr Molochah of the first day and the seventh day are both included in the same command. So we can't start differentiating and saying that one only applied in Mitzrayim and the other one is for future generations. Point number two. On these words called Molochah Lehi the Mechilta says that I may have thought that it's actually only referring to the seventh day. The Yenal Ardu because that's what these words are coming in connection to. So how do we know that the first day your osa not allowed? So the Mechilta says, because it says, By Yoy Marisha and Mikra Kodesh. In other words, in the Mechilta, what comes out is, is that the main Yisr of Molochah is actually regarding the seventh day, but through the seventh day, we end up understanding that the first day is also not allowed to have Molochah. But since in Pesach Mitzrayim, we didn't have the main Yisr, that means you didn't have the seventh day, so obviously you wouldn't have the first day of Molochah either in Pesach Mitzrayim, because the first day of Molochah again is only coming following from the concept of the seventh day. And finally, the Rebbe says, by Pesach Mitzrayim, you can't even call it Yoim Harishon, we wouldn't be able to say the words Yoim Harishon referring to Pesach Mitzrayim because there was only one day. It would be called Yoim Echad. So in other words, what comes out from all of this is that in Pesach Mitzrayim, there wouldn't have been a problem having the bris on that first night, as the Efei Toyar is trying to say, that you couldn't have it at night and that's why it must have been by day, because again, in Pesach Mitzrayim, there was no iser Molochah at all on Yomtev, so there shouldn't have been a problem in having the bris on Yomtev. Says the Rebbe in Dalad, even according to the opinion of the Ran, that in Pesach Mitzrayim there was an iser Molochah, the Rebbe says we could still answer this problem that we had before with the Medrash of, how could it be that a Milo Shaloi Bizman should push off Yomtev? In other words, if there is iser Molochah, how could you have the bris Milo on Yomtev? So the Rebbe says, we can answer it in the following way, but by first prefacing to look carefully at Diuk and the of Medrish and the shira shirim rabo. The Possek says, What is this Possek referring to? So the Medrish says, That when Moshe Rabbeinu told the Yidden about having the bris, as we said before, Immediately, each one took their cherev, each one took their sword, al your that were on their thighs, and they circumcised themselves. So the Rebbe says, looking carefully at the wording over here, we need to understand two things. Number one, why is it relevant to say that they took a cherev, they took a sword? Why does the Apostle have to tell us they took a sword? The main thing seemingly was that they circumcised themselves immediately. Number two, ishchar boy, Each person took their own sword. Why is that relevant, whether it's their sword or they took the sword from someone else? Says the Rebbe, with this itself is being answered this question of this idea of mila being done on Yom tif. So the Rebbe says like this, When is mila a malacha Asura by Yom If we do say that there were Asur and doing malacha that Yom as well, that it would still only be Asur if it's being done in its regular way with a proper knife that's usually used for a bris milo. However, to do the, so- the Milo with a sword would be considered a malacha shaloi kedarka, doing work, doing labor, not in its regular way, which said there would be absolutely no problem doing that then, even on Yomtev. And this is why the medrish is emphasizing, and the postage that the medrish brings, is emphasizing that they had a milah with a cherev, with a sword, meaning not with a regular milah knife. So why do we need to emphasize that it was their own knife? Says the Rebbe like this, if it would only say a uh, sword, so then we would still be able to think that maybe we're speaking about a sword that is used for milah. Like we have a posseh. Aseh Surim, veshuv moiles b'nei yisrael We have a posseh where Yeshua is being told to give a milah to the yidden, and the term cherev is being used over there. In other words, cherev might sometimes be referring to the specific knife that's used for the bris milah. This is why the Pasek says, Khar boy, their own cherev. Whose cherev are we speaking about? The Pasek says, melum de mulhamah. We're speaking about warriors, we're speaking about people going out to war with Swords. And each person is taking their own sword, meaning a sword of war. We're not speaking about the knife that's used by the brismila. We're speaking specifically about a sword that's for war. That's definitely not the thing that's usually used for the Brismila And therefore we understand that it would have been again a melacha, not in its regular way. And therefore that should have been for sure, been mutter to be done on Yom Tif. In conclusion, they definitely could have done it on Yom Tif, Again, either because there was no Isra malacha, or it was Shaloi kedarka, not in the regular way of doing the malacha. They definitely could have done it at night because it was before Matan Torah. So they had the Brismillah at night. Based on this, we're back to square one to the question, why did the to cause it to happen in this way? Why didn't the to make that the Brismillah should happen before nightfall, before dark? Says the Rebbe and Sef, hey, we're going to understand this. By first bringing another explanation that's brought in Acharoinim for this question about how did the Eden have the brismila at night? And what these mefarshim say is that the night of Yitzias Mitzrayim is, as it says in the Zohar as well, as the Possek says, This was a night that was shining like day. In other words, it was a night, although well, technically on the clock it was nighttime, but it was a night that was more like daytime. And therefore, these Aharonim said, it has the din of Yoim. So the Rebbe says, there's a question asked on this as well. If the night of Yetzias Mitzrayim has a din of Yoim, then how could they fulfill the mitzvahs that are associated with Lila, with night? Eating of the carbon Pesach, Matzo, Morer, etc. have to be done at night. So we must say, that the fact that the night of Yitzias Mitzrayim is counted like a day is only in regards to the mitzvah of Mila and not in regards to these other mitzvahs. And this is what the Rebbe is going to want to, in the continuation of the Sikha, explain why, specifically regarding mitzvahs Mila, it's counted as day, as we'll get to soon. And the Rebbe says we can understand simply these other mitzvahs are we're told es or balaylo they have to eat it at this night, the carbon pesach, mosnechim chagurim, with their loins, um tied them with a belt and so on and so forth. So clearly those things have to be done at night. But somehow, regarding mitzvah smilo, we're going to say, it's counted as day and only in regards to mitzvah smilo, and this is what we want to explain now, why that is. So to explain this, and why is it specifically regarding mitzvah that we say, that only in regards to this mitzvah, the night is counted like the day, the night shining like day, says the Rebbe, we know that the idea of Yetzirah Mitzrayim is the concept of skipping over, jumping, a concept of Pesach. This is the idea of Yetzirah Mitzrayim, going out of all limitations, out of all boundaries of nature. As we know, al Teva, according to nature, Yidin couldn't have gone out of Mitzrayim, both physically, we're told, A slave couldn't run out of Mitzrayim, couldn't escape Mitzrayim. We know the Yidin were sunk into 49 gates of Tumar Achmar So how is it that suddenly all of nature is being nullified? and We can get out of all these limitations. This all starts off with the limitations, the Meitzarim being nullified in the whole of Sayyid Arishtalshalus. And that's going to cause that down here as well, we could suddenly leave all of these barriers and limitations. And how does this happen? When there's an oil, when there's a light, when there's an energy that's completely higher than any form of limitation of the whole Sayyid Arishtalshalus, and when that shines, it causes that there are no limitations anymore at all. Says the Rebbe, since everything starts off and comes through Torah, Therefore, these things must exist first in the Torah. In other words, this idea as well of an oil of a light that's higher than Ishtalshalas in order to negate and to nullify all of the limitations of Ishtalshalas, this idea itself starts off first in Torah. That means, in Torah we first have an oil that's coming down from a higher place than Torah itself, so to speak higher than the limitations of Torah, and then that's going to impact all of Sayyid Ishtal and down to Yidin in Mitzrayim. Says the Rebbe, this is why Hashem made that Moshe Rabbeinu should end up telling the Yidin, this mitzvah of Chalor not before nightfall, but only specifically at night, in order that the bris milah of the Yidin should specifically be done at night. Not the way it's going to be after Matan Torah once we have the specific limitations already. That there needs to be a brisk by day and it cannot be done at night and so on. The point of message over here is exactly this idea. That the Gilui Urdu is was such a tremendous earth shining on that night, which is completely higher than Ishtal higher, kevayachal, the limitations of Torah itself. And therefore, when in Torah itself these limitations are off, this also causes that all the limitations within Sederishtal should be nullified. In other words, this is, what's, uh, what, this is what the idea of bringing down an oil that's completely bederech diluk, skipping over, jumping over all limitations, and Likuz being drawn down into Mitzrayim as Mitzrayim is filled with Havoy As far as Sederishtal is, that wouldn't make sense at all. And specifically in this way, this nullifies all the limitations of nature down here as well. And this is what causes the Pesach, the jump, to skip, and we can have the Yetzias Mitzrayim against nature itself. Says the Rebbe, just like there was this idea, this Dilug, this jump, going beyond limitations within Torah, in order that it should be able to be Yetzias Mitzrayim, the same thing needed to happen also by the Yidden themselves. There also needs to be an avoid of a Dilug, of a jump, going higher than a within the person. And this is why, what was the preparation for Yetzias Mitzrayim? We have the blood of the carbon Pesach and the blood of the, of the Milah. Because these two mitzvahs, Pesach and Milah, are both avoides that are associated with this idea of going out of limitations. How is that? Well, Pesach number one, as we said already before, means skipping over, jumping, going out of limitations. And Milah, we know the idea of a bris Milah is a bris Oilam, an everlasting and eternal bris, with Hashem. This everlasting bris that has absolutely no limitations whatsoever. So both of these mitzvahs represent the idea of going bleakvul. Says the Rebbe, this we will understand why we find a special chiddush regarding these two mitzvahs, Pesach and Milad, that we don't find by any other mitzvah. I by any other positive mitzvah. Only by these two mitzvahs, I do you have the concept of kares. And the Rebbe explains, when we speak about in of higher than ishtashlos, higher than levels, which we just said that's what Pesach and Mila is, here we don't have any sort of in-between levels. It's extremes. It's one of the two. Either we're connected with Hashem in that eternal, everlasting bond, beyond all sorts of changes of time, etc. In other words, we have Bli If not, then V'michrisa. Then Chas V'shalom, the person is completely not connected to Elikus. That's the idea of Kharis. This is similar to the whole idea of Yetzias Mitzrayim. We must leave all limitations, all boundaries, kivayachal, even those limitations of Toyota itself. If not, we're stuck in Mitzrayim, a place that's filled with Avoy Says Rebbe, this is why the giluy of the lilac yor, that the night should be considered like the day, shining like the day, has a specific connection to the mitzvah of Milah. Because the idea of a lilac yor, this idea that night shines like day, is... In, when we're speaking about the oil, the light of Hashem is connected specifically with the Valila Kayem Yair in the Avoid of the Yid, which, as we said, that specifically this Avoid of the Brismila, which is that light, that oil that's higher than Ishtar Says the Rebbe, based on all of this, we'll now be able to also understand, going back to the beginning of the Sikha, the difference between Mitzvah smillah, before Matan Torah and after Matan Torah. The real idea of this skip, this jump, this gap that we have to cross in Mitzvah Smila was specifically before Matan Torah. That's when it achieved the diluk, this jump, much more from one extreme to the other than what happens after Matan Torah. It was taking the Eden from the domain of Klippa and bringing them into the domain of Kedusha. And within that itself, we said they were in Memtah Shari, of the 49 gates of impurity. And they're going to wear to the opposite extreme, Nigla Aleyem <inaudible> Akodesh Baruch Hashem himself revealing himself to them. So this is completely Be'ein Roich one to the other. And therefore, there's absolutely no limitations. And therefore, again, there's no difference between Yoim Velayla. So before Matan Torah, when we need to go and give this major skip, we wouldn't make a different, differentiation between Yoim Velayla because we're speaking about a level that's completely higher than Ishtashalos. Whereas after Matan Toyra when Yidin are generally already in that order of Kedusha, already in that framework of Kadusha, and the Bris Oilum that's being made now through Mitzvah Samillah is only part of a Seder within Kedusha itself. Therefore, it's already an Avoida that has some sort of limitations, and that's why we're going to make differentiations as well between day and night, etc. Says the Rebbe the of all of this in avoidable Bapoil. The Avoid of Yetzirah Mitzrayim, of course, as we know, exists in every single generation, every single day. Because every single level within Mitzrayim, every single level is a level of Mitzrayim, is a limitation compared to the level that's going to be above it. A lower level is already considered a limitation compared to a level just above it. So when we need to go out of our limitations, out of our Mitzrayim, we need to know that there is absolutely no limitations at all, not even of Torah, Kivayachal. In other words, we need to break through all barriers. Similar to what says in Tanya, that when Chas a person, was speaking about a person being over on Hashem's Rotoin, which is like the idea of Golos Mitzrayim, then in truth there's no difference between what you may consider the lightest of the lightest of Ada and the strictest of the strict. Because if we're speaking from the perspective of Hashem's ratzoyim, which is higher than logic, higher even than seichel of Kedusha, so to speak, all mitzvahs are actually equal. And this itself, in other words, not wanting to be disconnected from Hashem, brings out, even in the kal kalim and even the most light-headed yid, That he too will be moiser Nefesh, even for what seems to be as a diktokal, as a very small Aveira, and maybe even only from Midra Bonon, and he'll go without any cheshbonis, without any calculations at all. And surely, there's no limitations of day and night. Meaning to say, that there's absolutely, absolutely no difference whether the person is feeling that it's illuminated by him, that he has light, or whether he's in the dark. It doesn't make a difference to him whether he feels tired, right? Tired whether he has various different ritzoinos and tivis, etc. Rather, he approaches and he goes out with a way of gavura higher than tam vadas. he approaches, he takes out his sword, It immediately circumcises himself, meaning he connects himself to Hashem, through fulfilling Hashem's ritzoyim in a way of yesoid and iskashros and abris oilom, with the eibishter, forever and ever.